This week's episode is brought to you by Uncanny Creative. Jordan, what's Uncanny Creative? Uncanny Creative connects talent like copywriters and designers with Utah businesses who are in need of a little extra help. Let's say you're in marketing and you're working weekends on an upcoming brand refresh. The problem is you're a few designers short and you can't spare any of your time to shower, let alone find freelancers. All of our creative talent are pre-vetted by industry pros and ready to get to work. And because we handle time tracking and invoicing on our end, you can try out different creatives until you find the best fit. No commitment, no awkward breakups, no creepy LinkedIn stalkers. You can visit uncannycreative.com to learn more. Well, I'm going back to you. Welcome to Utah Famous, a podcast about the people, places, and history that make Utah so unexpectedly awesome. I'm Sarah, a Canadian transplant with... Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, try again, try again. Um, A Utah transplant with Canadian roots. I'm Sarah, a Utah transplant with Canadian roots. I'm Jordan, I'm a Beehive State native. Sarah, your voice is really low. Yeah, it's been a crazy (laughs) week. Was that before or after the uh, earthquake? Uh, this occurred during the earthquake. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it was the direct result. I had no idea that an earthquake could make your voice go so deep. <laughs> we just continue and I'll just call you Sarah the whole time. <laughs> they also call earthquakes maturation makers. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Um, Sarah is in quarantine. I am in quarantine I am stuck at home with my husband, Daniel. Hi. And uh, he is he's going to be Sarah today because, well, I was going to do this episode by myself, and I thought that might be a little strange. The pod must go on. So he's stepping up, and um, that is where we're at Big right shoes now. to fill. Thank you to the coronavirus. Thank you to the Utah earthquake, which really didn't have anything to do with it, except... It added to everybody's stress levels a little bit. Would you say you would agree? Uh, yes, I would concur. I don't think Daniel was at all stressed by the earthquake or coronavirus, but everyone else is. So we're going to pretend that he is. I am exactly 0% stressed by both of those things. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to see your smiling face a little bit more today. Daniel has a podcast. Do you want to plug your podcast? I am a podcaster for my day job at Plural Site. There's a podcast called All Hands on Tech. And so you can check that out if you're into technology, like specifically software development and security. And so not like the new iPhone. It's like a little bit more of like the, you know, the down and dirty technology. I just, I, I think it will be way over my head. So there are some episodes that will be over your head. There's one that I did recently with someone named Troy Hunt, who's like a professional, like he's like one of the top experts when people talk about security online mm-hmm. and um that one's pretty good like there okay. are, there will be a couple things in there that you're like oh what? what what are they talking about but most of it is like very applicable like i i asked him a lot of kind of high level questions of like okay so beyond not reusing the same password everywhere what is the next step for like having good security online stuff like that that applies to everyone right. anyway cool. we don't need to go on about okay that, but. i'm downloading it right now 
Yeah. Listen um, to it. Let's listen to it right now. Okay, cool. See you later. So really quick, coronavirus, besides not Sarah not able to come over and record in the in the hatch. Mm. Uh, also, Daniel had to hunt for toilet paper this morning. <laughs> How did that go? Well, I it's mean... Riveting. It's a riveting I story. I want to be clear here. We had toilet paper, but we I, I went to Costco because we wanted some other stuff from Costco. And then you're like, well, I'm at Costco. I might as well get like a backup toilet paper because who knows when this like toilet paper run is going to end mm-hmm. and it was a moment that will live in my memory for the rest of my <laughs> life there is a a double pallet filled like at least six or seven feet high with toilet paper running down the entire length of the costco in the and it was just like incredible it was like people would filter in they'd hand they'd put a, a roll a package of toilet paper in your car. Give you one roll. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and it's limited one per person and then everyone just roll on by. But it was just, I like got it on video, which I, I'm not usually like one of these, like I have to get this moment of my life on video people. But I was just like in awe at the scope of toilet paper that laid before me. And it I was like, this forever. is a strange moment in our lives where this is the solution to the problem that we have created. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know, like, how did, like, one semi-truck carry all of that toilet paper? Like, how did they know how much to order? It's just overwhelming. It w- I I just have to guess, using my exceptional spatial reasoning, that it was multiple semi-trucks of toilet paper. It was, like, it was so That's much. I don't think they could have fit in it. Well, and not only that, but that was your second Costco. You went to one that had a line around the parking lot. Yes. So you drove... 30, 20 minutes north. Yes. I went to the lesser Costco uh, as far as population density. I also made a bet that it had a higher population of people that would not want to go shopping on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think that that paid off a little it bit. It still took you 20 minutes to get in, but it wasn't like two hours, which is what the other one was Yeah, they're like. limiting the number of people that can shop at, inside. But that's actually kind of nice once you get in. Because it's like a really like luxurious. There's tons was of every, room. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it, was everyone spaced out really? Yeah, far? there's no lines at the checkout. So like once you actually got in, it was actually pretty nice. Thanks for giving us a peek into the outside world because some of us haven't seen it in a couple of days. Okay, this episode is about coronavirus. Yep, and we're done. It's about Zion National Park. Oh, have you been there? Yes. Zion is like Utah, right? So Zion is the hill of Jerusalem on which the city of David was built. So in Christianity, it's known as um, a heavenly city or the kingdom of heaven. So there you go. There's the kingdom of heaven. I think that's probably the more accurate. It it has kind of a big name to live up to. But however, that was not its first name. We're going to get into that. What? Zion National Park is one of Utah's national parks. We already did Arches. So this is um, another one. It's located in southwestern Utah near the town of Springdale. And um, the prominent, a prominent feature of the 229-square-mile park is Zion Canyon, which is basically like what you're in when you're That's in like Zion. the part that you think of as Zion National Park yeah. is that canyon. Correct. For most people. It's 15 miles long 
and up to 2,640 feet deep. Um, the canyon walls are reddish and tan. Um, they're made of Na- um, Navajo sandstone, and it was um, eroded away by the North Fo- Fork of the Virgin River. Um, the lowest point of the park is 3,666 feet um, at Coal Pits Wash, and the highest peak is 8,726 feet at Horse Ranch Mountain. So that's a really high, very high. I think I've been there. Horse Ranch Mountain. Um, maybe is that at the top of Colab Terrace? I think it I did that. Be. I think I did that ride on my bike. Cool. It was a ton when of When we just climbing. went down there. Uh, not. The time in the fall, yeah. Okay, okay. That sounds familiar. Cool. So it's located at the junction of the Colorado Plateau, the Great Basin, and the Mojave Desert. The park has a unique ge- geography and a variety of life zones that allow for unusual plant and animal diversity. They have um, 289 species of birds there, 75 mammals, um, which... Quick, name all the mammals. Nine, well, 19 of those are just species of bats. 19 different types of bats? Yeah. Wow. 32 reptiles. And so they have, the park has like four life zones. So it has a desert, it has woodland, it has coniferous forest, right. and riparian. Riparian. I don't know about riparian. Um, Reptilian? Nope. <laughs> Zion National Park includes mountains, canyons, buttes, mesas, rivers, slot canyons, and natural arches. Really quick, can we go back to this life zone thing real quick? Life zone, yeah. This, to me, is one of the most fascinating like concepts when I first learned about this. I learned about it in relation to the Big Island of Hawaii that, from what I've heard, like contains every life zone in that was represented in the the world, but in like one island. Um, but it's when you can like be in one place and have kind of a collision of these different types of of zones. To me, that's just really interesting. And that's when the first time I went to Zion National Park, that was I think the thing, the number one takeaway that I had is like. This is crazy because we're in a desert and then there are areas that are more lush and green and vegetated mm-hmm. that are just like budding right up against the desert part. Like it's it's like a it's like almost like a Disneyland-esque transition where you're like going between different lands. Yeah. But it's a natural transition where you can experience a lot of different flora and fauna like just right up next to each other, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And we're gonna talk about um the uh, weeping rock that Ooh, is one of the cool. and anyway it has like its own stuff there that nowhere, nowhere else has Ooh. okay so the just really quick the riparian or rip, reptilian rip, riparian right I don't know Rococo riparian area is the area between land and the river so it's like right along the banks of the rivers that's what that means oh. in case anyone was really worried that they didn't know of the hanky-panky where the wolf from. <laughs> so then in 1856, Mormons came into the area uh, and settled there. In 1909, President William Howard Taft named the area Makuntuweep National Monument in order to protect the canyon. And then in 1918, the acting director of the newly created National Park Service, Horace Albright, drafted a proposal to enlarge the existing monument and change the park's name to Zion National Monument because Zion is a term used by the Mormons. And 
it's, it's not it's it's easier to pronounce it's way easier to pronounce <laughs> to pronounce i don't know i kind of like the other one a little bit it has like more personality yeah I don't know. It, ha- it definitely and does. It, and it also, like, there are, if I remember right, maybe you're going to get into this, aren't there, like, uh, Native American petroglyphs and stuff in the area? So mm-hmm. it kind of, like, ties it to that. Yeah. I don't know. If, yeah, I, could, if definitely... I could go in a time machine, I would oppose the name change. I just want to get that out on the record. Who was it that did this? <laughs> it was Horace Albright. Classic Albright move. Albright, <laughs> stop trying to put everything in biblical terms, Albright. <laughs> If I could have been there, I'd be like, hold up, dude. No. Let's just Stop leave it. it. Let's. This is not even worth the effort of this. Anyway. Well, the whole reason is because exactly people couldn't, like, pronounce it like we said. And so they want, they thought, thought if people couldn't pronounce it, then they might not visit. I get it, but I just think, I think. No, I think that's a great. You don't really want people, like, like going off the trail and messing it up. I kind of like true. the idea of not. If it's so hard, no one wants to go. Although you're dealing like with the the cost of screen printing those t-shirts would be a lot higher. There's a lot more lettering. That's true. It'd be a lot more money. It would have cost millions. Maybe that was the main point that he made. He's like, we need something with four letters. The screen Simple. printing costs. They're like, what is screen printing? They're all like wearing flower sack shirts. Just wait. He's like. I foresee a day where there will be something called screen printing that will dominate the U.S. tourism industry. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? He's like, he's like, he can see the future, but just the lamest parts of the future. <laughs> it's just like the abundance of poorly made tourism t-shirts. Horace is kind of brilliant. Man, I'm going to totally flip on Horace now. Horace, well done. Your foresight in boosting the t-shirt production of the Zion National Park. That was good job. On November 19th, 1919, Congress redesignated the monument as Zion National Park, and the act was signed by President Woodrow Wilson. The Kolob section was proclaimed a separate national Zion National Monument in 1937, but then it was incorporated into the National Park in 56. So yes, and that's there. the part I was talking about. Yeah. That, that part... It's outrageous. So, first, Zion National Park has been featured in numerous films. Uh, to be honest, I have only seen one of them. How many with John Wayne? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, the Deadwood Coach, so, Ar- mm. Arizona Bound, Nevada, Ramrod. These are all made in, t- like, 27. Oh, early, early Early, Westerns. early. Ramrod was in 47. And then Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. In 69. I've heard of that one. So, to be honest, not a ton of movies. This is fascinating. We need to fix that. Okay. The nine known exposed geological forms in in Zion National Park are part of a super sequence of rock units called the Grand Staircase. And together, these formations represent about 150 million years of mostly Mesozoic Age sedimentation in the part of North America. I didn't know what the Grand Staircase was. I had heard about it, but I didn't really know. So the Grand Staircase, it's basically just the sedimentary rock layers that stretch south. So it goes from Bryce Canyon, um, Grand Staircase, Escalante National Monument, through Zion National Park, and into the Grand Canyon. So... Did you know what the Grand Staircase was? No, I didn't realize it was that grand. <laughs> it's huge. It's like... Most of the state. Yeah, that's, yeah, I didn't realize that. 
Okay, so I just decided to pick some of my favorite. First of all, there's obviously a ton, a lot of history, um, and I felt like with arches, I went into the history a lot. So hmm. Zion's, I wanted to focus on. Well, one thing we're all cooped up in our houses, and we're bored. So I wanted us to maybe, you know, you can close your eyes and you can just like picture these trails. You're walking on these trails. (laughs) So the first one. T-shirt, get your T-shirt here. (laughs) We're here. We're here, guys. We all made it to Zion National Park. Wow, look at all these khaki explorer hats that are just (laughs) everywhere as far as the eye can see. The first one I want to talk about is Angel's Landing. That one is probably the most well-known, and I have hiked it. Daniel, have you hiked it? I've hiked it a couple times, yeah. A couple? Yeah. Wow. All right. Angel's Landing is definitely a more strenuous hike. It's one of their hardest ones. It's not that hard, guys. It is 2.5 miles one way, so it's over five miles, and it is approximately 1,500 feet in elevation gain. So you're you're going up. I remember that you're doing lots of switchbacks on the way up. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a it's kind of a climb. But this. But when you like, I just want to like paint the picture though. A lot of this is like very like it's not even is it paved? It, but it's uh, like it's. I'm thinking it might. It's partially paved. The terrain is super simple. Yeah, there's like, not, like, not like rocks like and yeah, yeah. absolutely. So the hike is rated as a class three difficulty based on the Yosemite decimal system. Did you know that Yosemite had their own decimal system? Does it face off against Dewey sometimes? And they're like, what's up now? Probably. Hey, Dewey, get your nose out of a book. (laughs) It begins at the Grotto drop-off point on the park shuttle system, and it operates from early spring to late fall. And it roughly follows the path of the Virgin River, which I remember you're kind of just following the river kind of through a canyon for a little while, and then you start doing the switchbacks. Okay. You remember that? Uh Uh-huh. Most of the trail is uphill on the way up to Angel's Landing. As the trail gets steeper and leaves behind the river, it becomes paved. So, yeah, okay. It is paved when you get up there. I was thinking it was before. I think, yeah, I think the bulk of the switchbacks, they, like, created some... Little switchbacks. Do you know what the system. Do you know what the switchbacks are called? No. It's a really cute name. Oh, I do know this. Um, just a second. Just a second. Just a second. Mm-mm-mm. It's like someone's name, mm-hmm. and then there, it's like something follies, or it's like something like uh, it's something like that. I can't remember the exact one. Walter's Wiggles. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> So the Walter Walter's Wiggles are a series of 21 steep switchbacks, and they are the last hurdle before Scout Lookout. So if you're someone that is like a little bit scared of heights, you can do this and it, you're not like near a cliff or anything. And you can stop at the Scout Lookout, which at that point you do have a really good view. Yeah, and it's still a cool hike to the, even just to that point yeah. because I really like the part when you're in the canyon before Walter's Wiggles start. There's um, you're just kind of you've got this vast canyon wall, and it it's just cool. Like it feels like you are in a an old cowboy western or something like that. Totally. And I, if I remember right, like older people did that. I mean, like it's pretty. Like I said, it's a pretty steep, but but they could make it, and it was it yeah, worked out. No, like I've I saw people with like those jogging strollers. Oh, you can get you can get 
basically to the top with like a jogging stroller. I wouldn't recommend it, but you could. So yeah, Scout Lookout is generally the turnaround point for those who are unwilling to make it to the final summit and push to the top of Angel's Landing. The last half mile of the trail is strenuous and lined with lined with numerous sharp drop-offs and narrow paths. Chains to grip are provided for portions of the last half mile to the top. And do you know how how far the drop-off is? Um, didn't you just say it was like 2000? Not I think that was That's the amount of the hike. Maybe your elevation. Well, this is- isn't the elevation. This is the drop. Okay, yeah. So it's um, over a mile. 5,790 mm. feet is the drop. That's pretty far. It is so far. And I remember when I did this hike, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was, I was, I was fine, but I remember just like, whole, I mean, you're just looking down at your feet and it's just like drop off. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Didn't you say like there were some people doing it with like baby carriers? There was a dude in front of me that had it like a one of those uh, like baby backpacks uh, like when you go on hikes but it w- he had probably like a three-year-old back there like the kid was pretty big um yeah he was doing it there and i was like Meh, that's a little much dude i can't even that just freaks me out it's too much yeah so this this trail is definitely scary i just want to like interject though real quick like if you're considering doing this i do not let yourself be intimidated out of doing this like if you have the opportunity um i I wasn't like, I was a little bit like, um, like I had hyped it up so much that when it came, I was like, oh, okay. Like that wasn't that bad. Uh, like it was fine. I never felt like I was in danger. I always felt like it was under control and the view that you get at the end Mm -hmm. of the hike is like probably top five views of your entire life. Like, like honestly, like when you think of like, what is the most incredible views I've ever experienced my entire life? Like that's definitely on the top of the list. So I just want to throw that out there. Cause I think sometimes people let themselves get so worked up about this that they skip it and it's do not skip it. Like yeah. do whatever you can to do it. You'll be fine and go to the end. Don't stop short because like to get that full experience, like it's really it can be like life changing for people. I think like it's pretty incredible. Just it's really the it's, scope of it is just. It is amazing. My hands are sweating thinking about it though. Mm. I need to do it again. It's been so long that I think I vomit on your sweater have, already. Have worked it up. I specifically didn't say palms are sweaty, but you still said it. <laughs> you know me too well. Okay, so the next one I want to talk about is Weeping Rock. Mm. So this one is an easy trail. This mm-hmm. one is only 0.4 miles, so it's not even a half mile. This is like a little walk. It's a quick it's like, little walk. Let's it's just like get out of the 30 car minutes. or off the, the shuttle and stretch our legs. Well, the other really good thing I forgot to mention, Zion has like I don't, a ton of trails. Like yeah. on their list, it was I saw, I counted at least 20, but there are seven trails that are only 30 minutes there and back, yeah. like round trip. So I think that's a good thing to remember. But um, It's great for kids. It's great for uh, older people that maybe they're not as mobile, but mm-hmm. they still want to get out and see. It's like, I think it's, I don't know, 
from my experience, it's like one of the best. Yeah. And the shuttle works so well and you just it drops you off right at the trailheads and it, it comes by like every 30 minutes or maybe even 15 minutes during the busy season. Yeah, I think pretty pretty frequently. So you just it's it's really easy to make your way around and and even you can just sit on the shuttle and ride it the whole the whole loop and it's anyway, it's really nice. But okay, so Weeping Rock. It's a paved trail and one of the other most famous landmarks. It is the shortest trail. It has a elevation gain of just 98 feet, so not too much, but it's a little bit of an uphill, not like you can't really do like strollers or wheelchairs because there's some like steps that you have to d- d- take. So, you walk up the trail and there's basically like an alcove where um the lower layer of sandstone has eroded away and water has been slowly descending within the sandstone formation, reaching impermeable layer of rock and is forced out the side, causing it to weep. So it's like going inside of the wall and then it just like seeps out once it hits that layer that it can no longer go into. That's why it's called weeping because you can, it's just constantly, there's just drips and it's just this wall is wet and the wall doesn't get very much sun. And so it's just this constantly wet wall and you can walk under the water and it's not like a full waterfall. You go underneath it and there's just like a lot of um, moss growing. Kind of like ferns. Yeah, different. And, and they have little signs everywhere saying like what those, all those flowers are. Lay t-shirt. But they have flowers that are called columbines. And they have two species of columbines, the golden columbine, and which is yellow, and the western columbine, which has um, red and yellow flowers. The hanging columbine found around the alcove is endemic to Zion. Basically, it only grows there. Like it's it's not it's native to that specific area. It doesn't grow anywhere else. Mm, it's a specific species. Cool. Isn't it weird that the word endemic is so similar to the word pandemic? I know, but like they mean very like, different things. What is this word? English, man. English is weird. Okay, the last one is a moderate one and it's the emerald pools. Do you remember doing that one? Um yes I do. I remember doing it it was super, super hot outside. We like when we went, mm-hmm. and I think we had our daughter with us, but she was only she was still only like a year and a half or so. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think, maybe not even a year. I think we had her in the yeah. I think you're Little right. Carrier. She wasn't walking. It's 1.2 mile round trip loop to the lower pool, two mile round trip visit to the middle and lower and lower pools, and 2.5 mile round trip hike to all three. And it's directly across from the the historic Zion Lodge, and the trail follows a small stream that collects in a series of pools. And there are three emerald pools, the upper, middle, and lower, which I love that that's what they're called. There's like not a fancy name, just upper, middle, and lower. The paths to the lower and middle pools are wide sidewalks and easily traveled. And the trails from the middle pool to the upper pool are more difficult with uneven sand and rock surfaces and moderate to strenuous grade. And I remember that. It gets a little bit... It's not that strenuous. hard. Honestly, if I did it now, <laughs> I probably would be like, what was I thinking? It wasn't that hard. But I think I just had had a baby and it was really hot. So. Yeah, we were like probably dehydrated. <laughs> yeah, I it don't know. Like it was like the hot. end of the day. Yeah. Um, at the edge of the main pool is a large or is a long drop off leading down to lower Emerald Pool. And from this vantage point, visitors can look out over 
canyon bottoms filled with a lush, um, deciduous forest. And the upper pool itself is surrounded on three sides by sheer cliffs, but it's closed on the fourth side by a boulder foothill, and it kind of creates like an amphitheater, and it, maple trees like shade shade it really well. Anyway, I don't remember if we made it to that upper pool. No, neither do I. But we will next time. Tomorrow. Here we go. But anyway, those are the main... Um, the main ones I wanted to talk about. Um, the park is open even though coronavirus is happening. So if anyone wants to go down there, I think they have a couple things that are closed. But it seems like a pretty good option, honestly. Get out of the house, get away from people generally, and yeah, be outside. I don't think we need to get like super into the narrows, but it's I think in my mind, like the two most iconic hikes are probably angels landing for sure and then the narrows and the narrows um like if you go to zion national park you'll see a bunch of people wearing these really stupid looking like reebok or like adidas or something i I don't know the brand they're like these stupid they're just like these dumb looking blue shoes and you're like why is everyone wearing these dumb shoes but it's because there's an outfitter right outside the park that rents these shoes that are made for this specific hike where you are literally walking up through the canyon in the water. And so they're special like they're special hiking shoes for being in water so they have good grip on the bottom to be on those rocks Mm -hmm. those wet rocks um anyway the narrows i think is is pretty cool i think that one's a lot more strenuous the thing that's kind of crazy about it is like but also kind of cool is like you can follow the narrows up i think like 18 miles or something like 16 oh 16 yeah it goes really far um but i think most people that do it will just like maybe walk up it maybe you know 45 minutes or an hour or something and then turn around um, because it's challenging to walk through water and deal with the rocks and everything like that. Um, the other thing that I, a, is really important to remember with especially that hike, the Narrows, but also all of the other hikes in Zion National Park is when there is rain that we, you know, the, there's a lot of precipitation. Um, there can be flash floods that are really, really bad. And so if you are planning a trip to Zion National Park, always just kind of check out. If you go on the official website, there'll be like a flood forecast. Yeah, they don't they don't let anyone hike it if the river is high from runoff yeah. or if there's any sort of flash flood warning. Yeah, because people... There, there have been a lot of people that have died because they just kind of ignore the signs and you get up those canyons and then there's a flash flood and that's it for you. Like, yeah, there's just wall. It's just it, there's giant no walls. There's, there, yeah, there's nothing <laughs> There's nothing to do at that point. Yeah. You try to try to swim it, I guess, and then hit your head and go under and you've been coronad. <laughs> that's that's how that's how Corona works, people. This is science. <laughs> um, there also is a trail uh, before that, and you can walk like I think it was two or three miles on a side kind of paved road. Yeah, uh, trail. What is that one called? Something King. Mm. King something. 
I think it's just called Riverside Walk. Yeah, it's two miles. Oh, it's two miles round round trip. That's like the that's basically the hike that leads to the, in, the narrows. Yeah, you do that first. Yeah. So I I definitely think everyone should do that hike too. Yeah, it's because, easy because you can walk into it. You can like look up into the narrows. Even if you don't do the narrows, you can kind of like get a gist of what it is, and um, that's really pretty too. That area. Do you remember the Paris Trail? Mm, I think so. That sounds familiar. It's from a Paiute word meaning meaning bubbling, tumbling water. Oh, that's, yeah, I knew that as bumbling, tumbling water. <laughs> bubbling, not bumbling. bumbling. <laughs> we were bumbling over that, yeah. It is 3.5 miles, and it's it was just that flat trail that people can, you can bike on, you can take dogs on, and it's like just at the bottom of the canyon. You're just kind of walking in the center of oh, yeah. kind of, not like alongside the road. It's paved. It's paved. And I actually really like that one because it, you're looking up at all the different mountains, I guess. Right. But um, I, yeah, I really like that one. What are your three tips of, for someone that is traveling to Zion? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. That's a great, that's a great question. Yeah. So if you are planning a trip to Zion National Park, which you should, I think it's like one of those places that will, like I said before, it will stick with you. It's an amazing view, an amazing experience. Uh, Three tips. Number one, consider the time of the year. And and people say this all the time. It says it on the website. Like it's pretty common advice, but really consider the time of the year. If you go off season, um, I mean, you don't necessarily want to go like December, but like if you're going like April, March, April, avoiding kind of spring break stuff like early season or later in the season, um, that's going to make your enjoyment of the experience so much more. And uh, so I would recommend that. Tied to that, I would also definitely recommend that you hit the park early. Um, So let's maybe you are there in July, August because you're, you know, a glutton for punishment. Um, the shuttles, I think, start running at like 7 a.m. If you hit those shuttles like right at the beginning, you can get up and do, you know, one of the big hikes, Angel's Landing and a couple other ones. And it will be like it will start to get really busy by the time you're done. And hot. And hot. That's the other thing is we are it is a desert and it is it will just bake you on that rock. Mm-hmm. So keep that keep those two like types of time of season and time of day things in mind because I feel like a lot of people just kind of overlook that or they wake up late and it will just it, in my mind it just really kind of sacrifices the enjoyment of yeah. it. Um wears you out. Yeah, and my other tip is to check out some of the other areas of Zion National Park. So Um, Typically, like I said, you think of just kind of the main uh, canyon that follows the Virgin River, and that's where all of these hikes that we've been discussing are in that area, and that area is really cool. There are some other really awesome areas in Zion National Park, including Kolob Terrace, where if, especially if you're into cycling, um, like that's, it's an incredible ride. Um, There's a really cool um, part of the park where you get to go through you can go through a bridge. Like there's just some cool stuff um, and cool other recreation opportunities. So that's my other piece of advice is don't just plan the whole thing around like, okay, we'll do a couple of these quick hikes and then we've done Zion National Park. The park is really very big and there's a lot more out there. Right, right. Um, there you go. Those are my three pieces of advice. Thank you. I love that. That is helpful. 
Yeah, great idea asking me about that. <laughs> I also wanted to, really quick, there is um, one of the mo- like well-known monuments or mountains, basically. It's, it's called the Great White Throne. And it, it, and, it, <laughs> and it is a mountain of white Navajo sandstone, which it, it, it's kind of, it just like pops out. You you know it when you see it. It's, it looks out of place. It's a, it's huge. And um, it's near Angel's Landing, but it is this just white mountain. You can see it basically like at Weeping Rock and like at all these different po- points because it's, it just sticks out. But I thought that was a fun. Yeah. It's just a fun thing to keep your eye out for because you might, I don't think there's a trail on it. You just, you might not know that that's like pretty unique. That's cool. What is the name of that Mexican restaurant in um, Springville that we went to? That place was good. They had really good guacamole and, and like a good burrito, if I remember right. It was like in an old gas station. Yeah. Springville's uh, kind of a cute little town. They've done a lot to avoid becoming like a big over like touristy yeah they've they've done a lot of work to be to avoid becoming like a big overdeveloped like tourist town so they still are you know there are some some really cool local restaurants and coffee shops and art galleries and stuff like that so maybe that's like tip number four is spend a little bit of time in Springville just kind of checking it out but once again it that that ladders back to like choosing the right time of year because if you go during peak season I actually probably would avoid Springville because it's just like so much going on but um, if you go early or later in the season then spending some time in Springville is fun I think the one we went to the Mexican restaurant that we went to was La Quista Mexican restaurant it kind of looks like a it was an old gas station or Service something station. Yeah, yeah, that they yeah. turned into. But yeah, I thought it was really yummy. Yeah. Highly recommended as of like four years ago. Maybe it sucks now. Or maybe it's better than ever. You never know. Actually, I think I said that wrong. It's La Casita. Mamacita. Casita. Anyway. That sounds right. Go check it out. Um, awesome. Well, thanks for jumping on this coronavirus emergency podcast that we ended up <laughs> having to to do. I didn't want to do it solo, so I appreciate you being on it. You're welcome, Han. And I usually don't do this end part, so <laughs> let's see if I can do it correctly. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks. <Nailed it. laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Utah Famous. We have a Facebook page that you are welcome to join and chime in. We are on Twitter at Utah Famous Pod, and you are always welcome to email us at utahfamous at gmail.com with comments or suggestions about upcoming episodes. And if you have your own tips of how to visit Zion National Park and how to not call it Zion's National Park and where to stay and favorite hikes, let us know. Real quick, there's a little town called Tokerville right outside of Springdale. I said Springville earlier, I think. Did you? Yeah. Damn it. Springdale. Springdale. Um, Tokerville is like, it's cool. Just like, <laughs> just like soak it in. It's just like a cool little town. And it has the best name. It has a really good name. I was looking up Echo City because I was, I was like, Echo Canyon. Like, what is the river that's going through there? Whatever. Echo City, I think like 
used, I mean, it used to be bigger than it is now. Um, but anyway, it said that the population in 2010 was 56 people. That's crazy. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone wants to go give Echo Utah some love. There's also Laverkin. Or Tokerville or Laverkin. There's Tokerville. It's a fantastic, just a fantastic series of names. It really is. And if you stay in like in St. George, it's like an Zion is like an, an hour away. So um, you don't have to or Cedar City, you know, you don't have to stay in Springdale, even though like I would recommend it. But there's just lots of things to do in that area. So stay for a week, stay for a month. Just live there already. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great week. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Well, I'm going back to Utah.